Welcome to Please Bet on Football Games. Welcome to another episode of the draft edition of Please Bet on Football Games. Uh, I'm your host, Joe, at Joe A underscore NFL, and this is my co-host, Alex. How's it going, Joe? We got some more off-season content. You guys can find me at I underscore like underscore sports six. Joe, so we got a little overrated, underrated segment today. What are we going to be doing? So I figured it would be a little bit like the uh, the gas or fade segment that we do in the actual football season. Um, I At first, I was thinking, like, we could just go through every position group the way we did the quarterbacks last week. And, like, I'll give you my top five, top ten guys and all the strengths and weaknesses. But, like, as much as I shit on draft media most of the players they're pretty much right like i don't need to tell you that aiden hutchinson is really good i and like nobody really gains anything from debating which bosa brother he most emulates and if he's going to be a hall of famer or just a pro bowler like instead i've just gone through some big boards particularly i used uh lance zerline's big board on nfl.com his top 50 and then pff's like top 200 i think it is and I've just picked out some players that I do not understand why they are ranked where they are ranked. All right. Sounds good. You want to start with the overrated guys? Yeah, let's give them the bad news first. All right. Who's your first overrated player you want to talk about? All right. Not only is he the first overrated player because he is the highest on both of these draft boards, but he is also one of the most overrated players I have seen in a draft since like Jeff Okuda. Uh, famously, I had like a fourth or fifth round grade on Jeff Okuda. And he went like fifth overall, and he's probably one more bad year from either switching to safety or finding a new job. Uh, This year it is Kyle Hamilton, allegedly a safety out of Notre Dame. All right, Kyle Hamilton. Uh, NFL Network has him as the fourth ranked prospect and PFF has him as the second ranked prospect. Where do you have him at or at least what do you disagree with them about? Yeah, so I don't I don't stack rank like a big board one through 150 because I just think that that's kind of silly. Um, I'm not going to try to parse out what's more valuable, a low end starting safety or a low end starting receiver. Like I'm going to give them a letter grade the same way I always do. And that's probably going to tell you all you need to know. So in this case, as a safety, I have Kyle Hamilton as a low B minus, which means that if I had to draft him and play him at safety, he's got like a second round grade mid second round grade like if he's there i'm at picked you know 15 of the second round like 47 or so and i have a need i'll take him but i'm not going to be thrilled i'm going to be like well the value is like too good to pass up i'm betting against myself effectively because i think he kind of stinks i've got his i've got his floor as a d player okay so why do you think he's going to struggle so much as a safe so a lot of people there's like a big war on twitter because he ran a 4.6 flat 40 at the combine, and then apparently like a 4.7 flat 40 at his pro day, which is revolting. But let's just use the combine time. A 4.6 is not good. And so there are lots of people on Twitter who are like, oh, he ran so poorly, he's slow and therefore bad. And then there are lots of people who say, but at that size, 4.6 flat's not actually that bad. And if you watch his tape, he doesn't look that slow. Well, I disagree with the tape part. And I don't care that four six flat is pretty fast for his size because I think like my favorite refrain is receivers aren't gonna like slow up, let him catch up because they're so amazed by his speed or his size and his speed for that size and just be like, wow, you're an impressive specimen. 
come over here, big guy. All right, now let's try to catch this ball. Like they're going to run away and he's going to be very large and behind them. So I think his athleticism is a problem, which is funny because before the combine, everybody that loves him was talking about how just freakishly athletic this guy was. And they're comparing him to like the DK Metcalf of the secondary and like, there were some uh, there were some Taylor Mays comparisons. Like he's he's like slow Jeremy Chin. He needs to play linebacker. Um, aside from just his speed, because like okay, he's not fast, and that's that's a killer for a coverage player, right? But his ball skills and actual coverage, like his leverage in coverage, his stickiness, are not great. His ball skills are solid. I gave him a B plus. He's not gonna like make a wowing interception, but he's not gonna drop too many either. He's, he is very long and that helps him attacking the catch point, but I've seen this man fall over in coverage way too many times. I've posted a few clips. Like I've literally seen him fall five times trying to catch a jump ball against a receiver, like just trip on his feet. And he's not quick enough to stay in phase with like a slot receiver at all. Yeah. That's not ideal for a guy that's supposed to be, you know, elite everywhere, especially as a coverage guy. I think the length does help and like I, you know, four, six or four, seven is terrible. The length will help him because he's, even if he's a step behind, he might still be able to get a hand in, but for a guy that's touted as one of the best players in the entire class in the far and away, number one safety. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I obviously haven't watched as much film as you, but I've seen a good amount and he does have good instincts, but he was chasing plays at Notre Dame. And so I have to imagine that's going to get worse at the NFL. Now, you talked about him as a linebacker. What kind of grade would you have on him as like a Jeremy Chin type player? I'm really glad you asked, because if he switched full time to linebacker, I would make him a first round grade. Like if, if he just said, like, you know what? I realize what I am. I'm a money linebacker. Like I am, you know, on a, oh, my God, what's his name? Philip Adrian Phillips with the Patriots. I am a huge fan personally of converting crappy box safeties into linebackers. I always have been like Landon Collins, Adrian Phillips, you know, um, what's his name? Uh, Pat Chung with the Patriots. Like I love taking a safety who can't cover and making him a linebacker who's actually really athletic. And I think Kyle Hamilton would do really well there because he is so big and a four six zero is a solid time for a, linebacker like that's by no means slow and he's a really really good tackler like yes he makes the big pretty hits that like jar the ball loose like that's lovely everybody everybody wants those the sean taylor hits but when when kyle hamilton hits a guy he sticks to him like glue it's like he's got like spider-man grippers on his fingers because even if he doesn't blow him off his feet the guy comes down He's got staying power and he doesn't let go with his hands. He's, he's a really good tackler. Um, and his vision and like his ability to read a run play is good. It's really good. So play him to his strengths, turn his terrible speed and range into a strength and then let the rest of his game kind of blossom, play him like a JOK, like a Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. They're different styles of the same kind of thing. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think what you touched on with his vision and his ability to rerun plays would be perfect to put him closer to the line of scrimmage. And getting him closer to the line of scrimmage, you might be able to limit some of his athletic deficiencies in coverage because you're not asking him to carry stuff 40 yards downfield. 
so I, I agree that he's a much better player if you put him into that kind of dimebacker role where you get him close to the line of scrimmage and just say, go, go get the ball. And another thing that we know about him, like we've seen it, like this is something I don't get. And a lot of the time during draft season, you can read a scouting report from a, an analyst or a scout and they will say, here's my scouting report. Here's what I think of every aspect of this guy's game. He's elite. And you read what he likes about this player. And it's like, he's good at all the things that aren't valuable. He's bad at the things that matter. So you go and look at the scouting report from PFF on Kyle Hamilton in the PFF draft guide. And they're talking about how, you know, he's this elite safety. He's an all around amazing player. But then you look at his PFF grades. First of all, he lined up predominantly in the box as a linebacker with Notre Dame last year. Second of all, his grades in coverage and as a deep safety were terrible. I think they were like 47. So like per their system, this is their second overall player, but per their system, he can't play a lick of deep safety. He's terrible at it. They tried him at slot corner. He's bad at it, like a 53 grade. They played him at linebacker, 81 grade. So like clearly he's a linebacker. That's it. And he could be an amazing linebacker. I'm not taking him second overall unless he runs a 4-2 flat and blitzes like the devil. So I, I think that the entire analysis around Kyle Hamilton is just wrong. I think that the valuing a safety like that is poor. I don't think he's the best safety in this draft. I think that there are a lot of safeties in this draft that you can get later that are starting serviceable safeties. So they messed up positional value, his positional ranking, and his general scouting report. Every step of the way, they messed all of it up. That's why I have him, if he plays safety, as a mid to late second round pick. And if he plays linebacker, a late first. He's one that I think it would be interesting to see if the the league and the media have totally different views of him. I have a feeling they do. I feel like they do as well. And we're going to see him go in like the early teens or something like that. And they are going to play him. As of as a dimebacker, moneybacker type guy, um, but right now the the media is just kind of knows that they like him and looks for oh he played safety, so I think he will we'll see a more realistic look come draft time. But yeah, right now the media hype on him is pretty silly. With that said, do you want to get to your next most overrated player? Yeah, um, this is another guy who I think there is an avenue for him to be really good. And it's George Karloftis out of Purdue, defensive end for now. All right. So Karloftis, NFL.com has him as 18 on their prospect board. And then PFF has him as number 10. Where do you disagree? Okay. So this is another guy that I think is playing the wrong position. If Karloftis plays defensive end, I give him a B minus grade, very similar grade to Kyle Hamilton. I would take him at the back half of the first round. It's largely because he's athletically limited. And I know that at his pro day, he ran a 4.7 flat 40, which is allegedly good. There's a reason he didn't run at the combine, because it does not show up on tape. He, I gave him C speed. It's, it's bad speed. He's not fast. Um, his first step is actually pretty good. Like, he's fairly quick off the line. And he's got, like, a really good motor. He is constantly either setting something up or working his ass off. But he's got one move, like he, he's basically got one pass rush move and it is a bull rush, but he's small. Like he is a showed like human, he's stubby. And that's one of the first things I noted. Like his arms are of average length. Like they're not particularly short, but for whatever reason, they do not separate him from offensive tackles. 
So his bull rush is not going to be helpful to him against long offensive tackles in the NFL. And that's his only real move. I don't, and he's not athletic and he is not bendy on the edge. So I don't know how that translates to a very effective end. Yeah, I've, I've watched him a bit as well. I've seen some of the same stuff. I think his explosion is really good. I mean, his numbers back that up uh, yeah. from the testing where he jumped really well. I think he does have really good burst off the line and he is strong for a defensive end. And the, the compactness might help some, especially as tackles have gotten more, you know, we get the taller, lankier guys because they're dealing with so much speed off the edge these days that him being more of a power rush, like Bradley Chubb type guy could be valuable. Now I think is probably a little too high. Cause I agree. I don't know what his pass rush value is going to be beyond collapsing the pocket, but I think he, he could be a good D end in the Olivier Vernon, Bradley Chubb. Like he's good in the run game. He sets the edge. Well, he pushes the pocket, but he's not a game changer. No, he will set the edge. Well, and that's why I think that his perfect fit is as a five technique, three technique combo. So like a stout three, four defensive end or a three technique defensive tackle. Um, Cause the, see, the thing is like, like you said, the NFL is going all these long offensive tackles, but that just means they get their arm into you quicker. And when you're rushing the passer, whoever gets their arm in the chest of their opponent first wins. So they're going to get their arm out real quick on him. Cause he's got stubby little arms and he only knows how to power rush. So like, that's going to be a problem for him. I think that the, my comparison for him is Solomon Thomas because Solomon Thomas has much the same problem. And I think that the avenue to success is that you draft Karloftis and make him a three technique. All of a sudden, if you, if he's a defensive tackle, he's my defensive tackle. Number one, maybe two. It's actually a very close call, probably defensive tackle one. And he's a B plus player. That is a good starter right off the bat because guards and centers are much smaller. They have shorter arms and they are these days leaner and quicker. So his arms won't be that much of a detriment. His bull rush will really help. His quickness will be exacerbated. Like I really like him as a defensive tackle, but nobody's pl- thinking of playing him there yet. Yeah. It might be the same exact thing that Solomon Thomas goes through where he gets stuck at defensive end. Now he's not going to go third overall, so he won't have the same expectations, but yeah, he might get stuck at defensive end and be a little disappointing and then get bounced around. Yeah, like I liked Solomon Thomas coming out, but then they played him at defensive end and I was like, that's never going to work. That's not what he was ever going to be. And now we're just waiting for him to f- find a place where he can play some real three technique and see if he can blossom. It's it's unfortunate, but like it's 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 odd that at this high of a level, we have premier players who can't figure out what position they're supposed to play. Yeah, I think some of that is the the colleges as well because you know, he's not going to project as a crazy athlete in the NFL or anything, but he's still far and away your best defensive end at Purdue when, yeah. you're, when you're Purdue and your defensive end is more valuable than a three tech there. Yeah. So you're going to put him at defensive end and then you're going to have, yeah, I'm a defensive end. I'm a premier defensive end. Yeah. I mean, that that's, I'm trying to think if I have anything else for him. No. Sweet. Well, let's go to number three. Who's next. All right. Number three is another one that like, I really hope that you saw my hate for him on Twitter first because I was early. I was early on Kyle Hamilton and I was early on Traylon Burks, wide receiver, Arkansas. All right. So this guy that had a ton of hype coming into the combine has slipped a little bit since then. So NFL.com has him as their 21st overall prospect and PFF has him as 31. 
Yeah, and before the combine, NFL.com had him at I want to say thirteen. Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, he was definitely in the in the top half of the first round conversation. Yeah, and people were talking about him as DK Metcalf. They're talking about him as wide receiver one. I had a really hard time finding a comp for him actually because he just doesn't know how to play football like at all. Um, I settled on Chase Claypool because if you remember Chase Claypool, Chase Claypool lost a bunch of weight between like the combine and his rookie season to become the deep threat wide receiver that he is. But for a while there, he was a chubby boy and people were thinking about him being a tight end. And that's yeah, what I, I remember wanted. that. I really love Chase Claypool moving to tight end. That's what I thought for him. I didn't foresee him totally reshaping his body and becoming a fuck boy. Um, he may have been a fuck boy. He was totally always. You don't just become a, he's a Canadian, first of all. And second of all, you don't just become that much of a fuck boy. Um, Canadians more fuckboys than Americans? Sure. In the name of nationalism, I'm going to say yeah. (laughs) All right. Justin Bieber and Drake. We have none. Only two Canadians. And the only two. Yeah, no. Coming from two hockey fans, this is really terrible. (laughs) Anyway, Traylon Burks. First of all, Traylon Burks has got weight issues, and they're not going away. He is a... He cut weight for the combine and still looked pudgy and was 225. He's also, there's just red flags everywhere with him. First of all, at Arkansas, okay, I'm going to bitch about Greg Cosell because I love him and he has been like my mentor from afar as a scout for years. He thinks that Traylon Burks is the number one wide receiver in this draft. And he still thinks that even after the combine. And he thinks that he's going to be an elite outside X receiver. Well, that's kind of funny because... Traylon Burks played 77% of his snaps from the slot or backfield in college. Because if you watch the Arkansas offense, they, it's very apparent that they were like, all right, um, this kid doesn't know how to play football. We're going to put him in motion or put him in the slot and just figure out trick gadget ways to get him the ball because he's big and relatively fast. Um, it is also apparent that while he has some insane highlight reel catches, he drops a lot more balls than you would think. And finally, the biggest red flag to me is that he oddly lied about every aspect of his physical body before the combine. Like in the, in the interviews that they do in the early week, they're like, how tall are you? He's like, I'm 6'3". He's 6'1". You knew they were going to measure you, dude. He sa- they said, Trellon Burks, how big are your hands? He said, oh, I wear 4XL hand- gloves because I have gigantic hands. He has smaller hands than you. In fairness... His hands might be really thick. Right. He said he has huge hands. He does not. He has hands. He has nine and three eighths inch hands. That is less. That's less than the average quarterback. Like, I get it. If you're going to come in and say like, oh, you know, I got really big hands. And it turns out they're just above average. If they're below average, you don't talk about how big your freaking hands are. And then he's talking about how he's going to run in the four threes, four fours. And he runs a gracious four, five, five. And then he's. He stood on it at his combine because apparently he looked at that and was like, I'm not doing any better than that. <laughs> so like, what the, f- this is, this is a weird, this is a weird way to lie. <laughs> it is strange. Uh, maybe, maybe Arkansas just has really favorable measuring systems. They've been gaslighting they him. Up and they were just like, yeah, dude, you're running a four, three, you're six, three. You hear these four XL gloves? Yeah, we just scratched off the four and the X. Yeah, I okay, here's another weird lie about Traylon Burks going along with the whole, like, maybe Arkansas is to blame here. 
Arkansas like released a rumor that he was tracked on his GPS thing as running 23 miles per hour on one particular play. And they even posted like somebody posted the picture of the play in or the video of the play in which he ran, quote unquote, 23 miles an hour. Now, for context, Tyreek Hill has never run 23 miles an hour in an NFL game. In fact, last year, no NFL player at any point touched 23 miles an hour in an NFL game. That would be, I think, the second fastest anybody's ever run in an NFL game since we started tracking GPS data. It's a fucking screen pass where he barely runs away from a safety against Georgia Southern. It's a lie. <laughs> yeah, so maybe Arkansas is just greasing the numbers. Yeah. So then, like, aside from all the strange off-field BS and chicanery that just generally makes you want to stay away from him, he doesn't know how to run routes. Like I said, his hands are spotty. He's not actually fast. And when you watch the tape, he does not run away from dudes. He does not look particularly fast. He looks pretty fast for his size, but he's not a burner. And he's not a possession receiver. And he's sure as hell not a route runner. And he's never played on the boundary in, for significant snaps. I think he had like legitimately 10 catches as an X receiver last year. So I personally have a, second, a late second round grade on him. Um, if you take away all of the off-field concerns and just strangeness, I would make it an early second round grade because I do think there's an avenue in which like you could, if you get his ass in shape, which is a big if, and you teach him how to play wide receiver within three years, he could be a very useful player, much like Chase Claypool currently is. But there are other players, there are other wide receivers in this draft that don't require nearly as much maintenance, don't lie about how big their hands are, don't lie about how tall they are and can run and they will also be wide receivers that can contribute early yeah he seemed like a guy that you know everyone was projecting because he thought he was going to be an athletic freak and everyone wanted to be the next Debo Samuel or AJ Brown or DK Metcalf or any of the you know super athletes that get used all over the field uh have exploded in the NFL but then what as soon as he tested this poorly yeah he immediately dropped out of serious conversation especially because of how deep the wide receiver class is because it's not necessarily crazy strong at the top but it's a bunch of dudes that you're much more confident on than someone that you have to teach how to run routes and isn't the athletic freak that you thought he was that's the funny thing man is like his so the comps that i've heard the first one everybody was like oh he's dk metcalf yeah he is dk metcalf dk metcalf is six foot three he's very strong he can jump he has spotty hands like he'll drop balls a lot i think he led the league in drops like two of the last three years um like he's gonna drop the ball he's big but he's really really fast and he cannot run a route he cannot turn so take dk metcalf chop two inches off of his height and then strain his hamstring so he runs half as fast that's Traylon burks i don't want that and then and then people are like oh well he's kind of like aj brown because aj brown's not that fast like he's fast but he's not like a burner he's just he's big and physical and he catches the ball and he high points it and it's like yeah but also the reason aj brown is good is because before he added like 25 pounds of muscle he was an elite slot receiver that ran amazing routes and this guy doesn't know how to run routes so he's not quite the same thing also aj brown has like much better hands and so now you're just left with oh he could be debo samuel and it's like okay is debo samuel good outside of the 49ers because, like, there's a reason he was a mid-round pick. Like, he wasn't special at South Carolina. Yeah, and it's even taken him years to get to this point. Yeah. 
and 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 this point isn't even that good so much as it is novel and exciting. Yeah, I mean, he definitely did really well in the role. I'm not going to discount that because his stats and just watching him play, he was explosive. But I agree that you have to use him in a very specific way. Yeah, and like, let's face facts, the Shanahan's have turned far lesser players into significantly more productive running backs. That's just what they do. They turned Arian Foster into a borderline Hall of Famer. Arian Foster is slow, short, and weak, and a vegan, and also not intelligent. I listened to a podcast with him today, and it was bad. I had him in fantasy that year that he went crazy. It was wonderful. I I remember playing Madden when he was having those years, and they were like, he's an 82 speed and 83 break tackle, but he's a 99 vision and awareness and carrying just all the stats that we don't really care about to make his overall look good. Yeah, it's like when you sim with him, he gets crazy stats, but when you actually play with him, he's horrible. All right. All right, number four, who you got? So this is kind of a reach, uh, but I hate him. His name is Kingsley Enigbare, and he's an edge from South Carolina. He's kind of a trendy player, so that'll explain why what you're about to say sounds fishy. Okay, because NFL.com, now they only have their top 50 prospects, but they do not have a rank on him. And then PFF has him at 45. Yeah, so like you hear 45 from PFF, and you're like, that's they don't even rate him that high. What the hell? Why is he on this list, Joe? Um, And then, yeah. He's not on the top 50 for the NFL, but he's on this list for me because one, Brandon Thorne likes him. And I basically defer to Brandon Thorne on offensive line these days, but defensive line, I get testy. Um, This guy sucks. I have a fifth round grade on him. Before I knew who he was, I put a fifth round grade on him. Literally nothing he does impresses me. Um, I gave him C plus speed. I gave him C power. I gave him C minus feet. I gave him a D for his pass rush moves. I don't know how big he actually is, but he looks very small on tape. I gave him an A- minus on his motor. That's it. My notes are, I'm really not impressed. Why did people tell me to watch him? I guess he's stout, but he doesn't really push. Definitely not a true athlete. Really no mitigating talents of note. So this is a guy I know nothing about, so I can't, I can't really add. I haven't seen him play. Don't. It's so bad. Like, like the fact that PFF has a second round grade on him stopped me in my tracks. I was like, are you fine? Are you kidding? And I think Brandon Thorne has a first round grade on him. And I was like, no, no, you people. Is he athletic? Did he test well? No, no, no. He tested like really poorly. I think he ran like a four nine and he's like like small. No, I don't get it. He had a really high PFF grade. I don't know how the hell they came to that conclusion. Maybe a lot of just like motor stuff. No, I'm sure he sets the edge fairly well. And I'm sure he like does the right thing in run fits consistently, but I don't care very much about your run defense as an edge. Um, if you're a great pass rusher, you'll figure out how to be a good run stopper on the way to the quarterback. It's like, it's like, I don't really care about your ability to tackle as a corner. Cause if you do your job, you never have to tackle. Fair enough. So yeah, I just, this is a quick one, but just Kingsley and Igbari, fucking scrub and a half. Stay away. If, if your team drafts him, pour one out. At any point, if they draft him, like literally in, in any round, he's off my draft board. Strong words. You want to go to number five? Yeah, let's do number five because that's a lot more exciting. Who we got? Uh, I can already feel the heat on the back of my neck. I'm, my fifth most overrated player is Garrett Wilson. Out of Ohio oh, State. yeah. Yeah. I'm waiting for that one. Yeah. All right. So Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State. NFL.com has him as their fifth ranked prospect and PFF <laughs> has him as 12. PFF's a little closer, but uh, still no cigar. I have Garrett Wilson as my 10th ranked wide receiver just behind Traylon Burks. Now, 
it's a little deceiving. Traylon Burks, Traylon Burks is benefited by the fact that his ceiling is a B plus. Like he could be a good starter, even though his floor is a D because there's a good chance he falls out of the league. On the other hand, there's no chance that Garrett Wilson doesn't play football for like at least five years. Like he will be at the worst, a journeyman wide receiver who bounces around getting like a Cecil shorts caliber receiver. That is the worst he could be, but the best he can be is like a B wide receiver. Like the best he can be is a fine wide receiver too, that nobody is excited about, but like, he's there. Like we don't have to get a wide receiver. We got a second guy and Garrett Wilson. And then we have our actually good guy. Um, my comp for him is like Stefan Diggs with a pulled hamstring. Cause he's a slower Stefan Diggs. Okay. So walk me through like where you differ. What do, what do you see that the, these sites aren't? So the best thing about his game that like, the thing that people talk about as being the best thing about his game is that he's like a wizard after the catch and he's just super duper quick. Right. And they say that he's like very elusive. I don't see that. He throws a lot of moves around. Like he he'll do the dance in open field, you know, the, where am I going to go? Where am I going to go? Oh, I haven't moved. And it's been two full seconds and there they come. Now I got to run and I got one more yard. Um, he does that a lot. And he's in space a ton because I don't think anybody has pressed Ohio State wide receiver in four years. I'm, I'm not even joking at all because they're so deep and so talented at wide receiver. I don't like Garrett Wilson, but he is an NFL starting wide receiver. And so is Chris Olave. They're very similar caliber. And oh, by the way, Smith and Jigba is better than both of them. So and Marvin Harrison Jr. is just sitting on the bench. Exactly. At any given moment, Ohio State has at least three legitimate starting NFL wide receivers who are fairly polished that are not, you can't, there's nothing you can do. You can't press any of them because you don't have the guys. So everybody just ends up running like a seven to 10 yard cushion zone against them, which means they get free releases every single snap. So the fact that they're small doesn't matter. Garrett Wilson is six foot, but he looks more like 5'10", and he is a string B. He is a small dude, but he never got jammed at the line, so it never mattered. He got a free release. And if you get the ball out quick, which Ohio State is good at because they're very well designed on offense, you can get the ball to Garrett Wilson three yards past the line of scrimmage with seven yards of space between him and the nearest defender, and he hasn't been touched or challenged yet. So he doesn't have to get open. He's just never been even covered, you know? Um, and then he's in space a lot. He throws on a couple juke moves and gets like three more yards after the catch. And people look at the yards after the catch and say, oh, he got a lot of yards after the catch this year. But he's not creating. He's not fast. He's not especially quick. I am not impressed by any of his physical traits. Okay, because then other things I've heard about him are his body control and his route running are both top tier. So I will disagree with the route running, but I will agree absolutely with the body control. We'll start with the positive. In my notes, I say he would make a really great possession receiver if his catch radius wasn't so goddamn small because he has insane body control. He will catch a ball that is thrown on his back shoulder, like not a back shoulder throw. Like he's running a slant across the middle and the ball is a yard behind him and high. He will go and get that. He is a legitimate, like he has Alshon Jeffrey caliber ball skills, but he's like five, six inches shorter. So there's a way to use him. Like he's going to catch the ball. You can throw him a back shoulder. You know, he's good up back on back shoulders, especially in the red zone. Cause he gets his hands up and catches the ball away from his body and he holds it out there and he falls down and it's a touchdown. He's really good at that. 
but it's not particularly useful because he can't dominate anybody physically, even in college. So like, that's a faith play. That is a quarterback centric throw. Like if your quarterback's not throwing a dart there, it's not going to be completed. So he's basically giving you replacement level wide receiver to play, regardless of the fact that he has a very special talent in this one way. As for his route running, I think that's absolute bullshit. Cause as I said, he's not getting pressed and he's only playing against zones. He's not creating space that much. And like, so yes, he's getting in space a lot. He's getting open in space a lot, but it's not because he's particularly crafty or anything. He's just got a free release with a soft zone coverage and a good play caller. Like I have his route running as a, give me one minute. Yeah. I have his ability to create separation as a V, which is like solid starter material. It's not special. So interesting. I, I just, I'm not, and again, I would absolutely take Garrett Wilson in the mid to late second round. And I would plug him in as my wide receiver too. And I would say, we've got a solid wide receiver too. And if he's your slot, he's a really good slot because he is a high end wide receiver three. He should start right away. But wide re- there's just so many good wide receivers in every draft now that there is no value in taking a wide receiver two high in the first round. Yeah, I agree that he's he's not a top half of the first round guy. I think he is going to be someone that you can plug in and play, and he's going to be a good wide receiver two or really good wide receiver three for like nine years. I agree that I don't think he's going to be that elite or number one guy ever because of things you talked about of his physical limitations and that he's athletic, but not crazy athletic. And he's not huge. He's not elite at anything besides probably body control, but his size limits him there. I'm, I'm higher on him than you are. Cause I think he is a valuable guy that you'd take in the bottom half of the first round. Cause you can plug him in as a wide receiver too, pretty much from day one. And I think that's crazy valuable in today's NFL, but yeah, I don't think he's uh, he's near where a lot of people have him. The, the only issue is I have seven wide receivers that I think you can safely plug in as a wide receiver two that are in this draft. So like, and that's not including him. I have seven above him and that's not including Traylon Burks. So like, I think Wilson's greatest selling point is that he does have that really precise range of outcomes. If you If Garrett Wilson is on your team, you have at least, at the very least, one solid journeyman wide receiver. Like there is no world in which he turns out bad. He will start for some team in the league right away. It's like a guarantee. And that's nice. Like having that safety and that certainty in the draft is valuable. But there are just like even Chris Olave, his teammate. Chris Olave is very similar in that he is also basically just a guaranteed wide receiver too with a pretty high floor and a fairly low ceiling. But there's always a chance that Chris Olave's ability to get vertical translates to the NFL, in which case he would be significantly more valuable. So like if I'm taking a risk on a guy with like, if I'm taking a risk on dudes with high floors and low ceilings, I'm going to take the risk with the guy who has a slight chance of having a slightly higher ceiling because both of them are going to be solid. I think, yeah, I think they're they're pretty interchangeable. It's just what you prefer. I think Wilson is a little bit safer. He's more of like I see as a third down option guy, whereas Olave gives you some of that verticality, but I don't trust him as much to get open consistently. I mean, he's a, a good route runner. He's built as a lot of the same things Wilson is, but Wilson just looked better on tape. I mean, and whether it's the design of the offense, but – they gave the ball to Wilson a lot more, and that speaks to some 
things for me, even though Olave was the guy, he was there longer. He was the one that broke records for his career there. But Wilson just seems a little bit, well, know, he's a little bigger. He's, he's got a little bit higher of like, he has some elite trait in his body control where I don't see it, it as much as Olave, but part of it is also that Olave, like while he Olave in, so the structure of Ohio state's offense is a triangle offense and every single play, goddamn near, one wide receiver will be going deep, which is smart. That's how you be a good offensive coordinator. Wilson's not particularly good at getting vertical, and Olave is particularly awful after the catch. He just, he is bad after the catch, man. I don't understand it. So it kind of forces your hand. You're like, okay, Olave is better at going deep, and I can't really do the short like screen shit with him. Wilson can do the screens. And he can take a slant a little bit yard. I mean, he can't take it yard, but he can take it front door to the yard. Um, so I think the back shoulder ability is really valuable. Yeah, I think you could do that with. We're, I'm, this is why I don't want to stack rank them one through one fifty though, because like we're splicing hairs on dudes that both guarantee to be wide receivers too on yeah. whatever team they play. Yeah, I've heard I've heard people refer to it as like they're all really good ice cream. It's just which flavor you prefer. I wouldn't say they're more frozen yogurt. Ice cream is like last year when you have Jalen Waddle and Jamar Chase and Kadarius Tony. Those are ice cream. Fair enough. Uh, I feel like we've we've gone on enough tangents about Ohio State and other <laughs> wide receivers with them. You want to go to your, the last of the overrated? Yeah, the last of my overrated is actually the guy I watched most recently for the first time. Uh, edge out of Florida State, Jermaine Johnson. All right. And this is interesting because NFL.com and PFF have a little bit of a difference here. NFL.com has him as their ninth ranked prospect. PFF has him as 26. Yeah. And again, Brandon Thorne has him at 13. So I had been waiting to watch Jeremiah Johnson because I just kind of didn't feel like it. I saw that he was old. I think he's about to turn 24 this upcoming season. And that doesn't bode well when a guy has a quote unquote breakout year as a 24 year old, especially at a position that is so athleticism dependent, like defensive end. Um, I finally watched him today because Brandon Thorne thought he was awesome. And I was like, well, I guess I got to give him a shot. This dude sucks. He's like sucks for where people talk about him or he's just bad in general. No, he's bad. Like he's a C plus prospect. Maybe he might even be a C. Um, Like I said, I literally just graded him today. Um, my comp for him, and hear me out, my comp for him is Derek Barnett, who was once a ninth overall pick, but absolutely never should have been because Derek Barnett is currently struggling to stay as a starter in the NFL. Derek Barnett's calling card coming out of Tennessee was that he had a shit ton of sacks, and he, while he was absolutely not athletic and kind of undersized, he was quote-unquote a technician. Jermaine Johnson is actually not quite a technician, but he only wins on cleanup sacks and when he just befuddles an offensive tackle. And he doesn't even befuddle an offensive tackle with like great, like a, an awesome rip move or like a stutter and go. Like he tried a couple spin moves, but they were so slow that he got stifled right away. Um, he, he had this one move that he did twice and it worked against two different teams, but he basically kind of like, slow played it and ran like he was going to run outside the tackle like run around the tackle and then after like two steps he just kind of like stopped and ran inside like literally just ran left it's almost like if you were trying to juke out an offensive tackle in madden but you didn't know any of the finesse buttons so you just kind of like use your joystick and try to go like oh i'm gonna go right nope i'm going left and it worked the offensive tackles got confused and fell down 
I don't think that's going to happen in the NFL. It could, especially if you're playing like the Steelers, but I don't think it's going to happen in the NFL. Um, And he's a really curious case because his combine was electric, but he is not. My first note on him within four snaps was, oh, this boy is not fast. And he ran a four, five, eight, which is real fast. And he's like six, five. He's a, he's a big defensive end who ran like the wind. And usually I adore those players, but I just do not see it on tape at all. As evidenced by the fact that Florida state kicked him inside the defensive tackle a lot. And I'll get to it before you even ask, could he play defensive tackle in the NFL? Could you reduce him inside? No, no. Cause he doesn't get push, man. He does not push the pocket. I don't, I mean, like, He sheds blocks versus the run fairly well. But at one point, I'm not joking about this. One of the first games of the year, Florida State played Notre Dame. I had to watch it because it's one of the few games where Florida State played against a good team. It was the game ended up being 41 to 38 on a last second field goal by Notre Dame. So there was a lot of throwing and a lot of deep throwing. So like lots of chances for this guy to rack up sacks. And he got one with that faint move that I described earlier. And he got one cleanup sack where the quarterback just ran into him. But in the fourth quarter, Notre Dame made an adjustment and they just put their backup tight end on an island against Jermaine Johnson, who apparently, according to Lance Zerline, is the ninth best player in this draft. And this backup tight end number 85, who was fairly skinny for a tight end in my eyes, stuffed Jermaine Johnson the entire fourth quarter. Jermaine Johnson didn't so much as get a pressure in the fourth quarter going against this freaking tight end, like on an island like Gronk style. And it wasn't Mayer, their starting tight end. It was a backup, just eating Jermaine Johnson alive to the point where I legitimately was like, wow, that's a really skinny right tackle. And then I looked and I was like, oh, 85, that's a tight end. It was, it was gross. It was disgusting. I will not stand for it. I, I guess I could take him as a depth rusher in like the third round, but I would really rather not ever have to draft this guy. Yeah. It's tough when he's that old too, because in theory, like you can work with some of that like the the faint move is at least somewhat heady, like shows that he's paying attention. Um, totally. But when he's already 24, that's tough. And like he couldn't get on the field at Georgia. He went to JUCO and was only a four-star JUCO recruit, which is basically the lowest JUCO recruit that like plays power five football. So like he didn't star in junior college. He couldn't play at Georgia. He, he finally got to play on a bad Florida State team, and he couldn't rush the passer particularly well, despite being old enough to be some of these dudes, like, almost be their dad. Like, some of these players are 17. He's 24. I don't know how many seven-year-olds are having kids, but uh, there's an age gap. I see what you, you're saying. You know what? You go on your Snapchat stories. They got a story about a seven-year-old dad every goddamn day in the featured area. <laughs> so... I don't yeah. know if uh, that's exactly where where I'm going for my current <laughs> events news, but um, no, it's it's he's just bad, man. It's not good, and he's old. And yeah, if he was 20, I would say like, okay, he looks slow on tape, but he ran a four five eight. There's got to be something there you can work with. Um, the one conflicting thing, the one thing that's throwing a lot of people off, is that he did go to the Senior Bowl and just dominate. Like apparently, he was just unconscious in all the practices all week to the point where he just left before the game. Cause he was like, yeah, I've already made my money, but either I have to believe that a 24 year old man physically blossomed and became a great football player after the regular season of his super senior year ended. Or I have to believe that he had a couple good practices accidentally 
and then ran well at a combine where a lot of people ran way faster than they should have. Yeah, it's interesting because the the senior bowl stuff, I, I like the senior bowl. I think it typically is a, a good indicator because you get guys that have played all across college football and you can take some of the guesswork out of it when they go head to head. But if his tape is that bad, he's 24. That's tough. I think, you know, PFF having him at 26 makes more sense because that sounds like a second or third round guy that like, all right, you're projecting, you're hoping a little bit, you know, he's faster than he looked on tape. He's figuring it out now. He recently had, you know, really good success, but not in the first round. Well, also like PFF, like he rose on their draft boards because of what he did at the senior bowl. Like before the senior bowl, he was, he was significant. So like, before the senior bowl, which I'm discounting because it just doesn't make sense to me, they had him as a second round pick, which I think is much more appropriate. I wouldn't love to take him in the second round, but if my team did, I'd be like, okay, well, I mean, at least he's athletic. You know, fuck it. It was not a great pick, but there are worse ones. You know, it's not a Joe Juan Williams. It's like, fine. Fair enough. All right. Well, that wraps us up on the overrated guys. You want to start talking about some underrated players? All right, starting off with the underrated players, who's the first guy you want to talk about? So it's a little redundant because we talked about him at extreme length last week, but Sam Howell is so criminally underrated, it is disgusting. All right, so Sam Howell, quarterback out of UNC. NFL.com has him at 48, and PFF has him as 22. Yeah, and and it's funny because while like the quote-unquote official PFF big board rank is 22 and quarterback one, all of the prominent PFF analysts have Malik Willis as quarterback one and Sam Howell is either two or three. Uh, so he's even more underrated than those numbers let on. I think there's not a lot to say um, other than, first of all, he's my number one rated player in this entire draft. And yes, that takes into account the fact that he's a quarterback, but like he would have been my quarterback one last year over Trevor Lawrence. And people were willing to trade entire draft classes for Trevor Lawrence. So they're fucking up bad. Like this is a really good prospect. Um, additionally, I was, I know you're going to yell at me for being so silly, but I was bored the other day at work and I put on NFL network during path to the draft and they were explaining their takes on quarterbacks and Charles Robinson, you know, on a this was a mistake. <laughs> I know, I know I should not be consuming NFL media. I know, but I did just asking to get angry. Charles Robinson, they asked him what he thinks about Sam Howell. As an afterthought, by the way, after they went through their top three quarterbacks each, and they said, oh, Malik Willis, he's Josh Allen, but his dick is bigger, and he's a better person. I heard girls like him, too, and his puppies are well-behaved. And then Kenny Pickett is basically the same thing as Joe Burrow because they're white quarterbacks that aren't actually any good, but their production was good, and they're cool. Um, And Joe Burrow is obviously an elite quarterback he went to the super bowl no shitty quarterback has ever gone to the super bowl like jared Goff never made it there ever nope nick Foles. doesn't happen no bad quarterbacks rex grossman didn't make it to the super bowl come on nope. um trent Dilfer. Anyhow, nope does not compute so jimmy girl ghost he's elite just ask fucking rj bell he, he wins Joe man. Flacco. i mean we know he's elite yeah we're actually talking elite now <laughs> so charles robinson as a throwaway, was saying how Sam Howell, he's a good game manager. He he would be a good fit for a team that really has all the pieces, but they just need somebody to take care of the ball and, you know, operate the offense very simply. He's a game manager. There's really nothing special about him traits-wise, but, you know, he's got a lot of experience and he's won a lot of games, so he'll be a safe 
quarterback. And you could tell like very explicitly what he was trying to do was describe what he thinks Baker Mayfield is, which is also a poor evaluation. And then it just sounds like he's describing Gardner Minshew. Yeah. A lot of people think that Baker Mayfield, Gardner Minshew and Sam Howell are all the same guy. Um, Mayfield's pretty close to Howell. Minshew is like over there in a pile by like the piss jars. Um, I, piss jars? The piss jar. Anybody who's dumb enough to think that these three are the same group definitely has piss jars <laughs> in their mom's basement because if they come upstairs like society could interact with them and then they would have to like analyze real life for the first time ever rather than making blanket assumptions based on like chubbiness of a quarterback um i don't know in reality sam howell is probably the tools used quarterback in this draft and it's between him and ritter but his deep ball is like all-time elite and his intermediate ball is really good. And he has a cannon for an arm and he ran for 900 yards in a power five conference. He's had PFF grades over 90, two of his three years starting. He has started three years as a true junior. He has won a ton of games. The guy is fucking incredible. And it's another one of those cases. It's the inverse of Kyle Hamilton where they're like, oh, I mean, he's not really good in coverage, but he's an elite safety. I swear to God, I somehow made this work. If you go look at Sam Howell's page for the PFF draft guide or on the NFL.com page, it, it says that he is, he has an elite deep ball and he's won a lot of games. He's got a ton of experience. He's got a really strong arm. He's good at attacking the middle of the field. He protects the ball because he didn't throw. He never threw double digit interception despite being an attacking downfield thrower. So they, they're just lauding him. And then after all this praise and like almost no negatives other than like he runs a lot. And it was successful, but we don't think it'll keep working. It's like, well, his job when he was running wasn't to impress you, the scout. It was to win the football game. So if it's working at that level, keep doing it. Can't blame him. Um, and so after this like glowing review, they're like, oh, yeah, he's a second round pick project, whatever. I don't know. So it's just frustrating and stupid. And I have to bitch about it. But now I'm done with Howell. I'm done with quarterbacks. Notice I didn't even put Malik Willis in the overrated column. So like this was just especially egregious. I know I was proud of you. All right. Well, then we'll jump on to number two. Who's your second over or underrated player? I love this player, not only because he has hilarious hair, but his game actually matches his looks. Lewis Seen, safety out of Georgia, is currently my safety number one. Okay, so you have him as safety number one. NFL.com has him as prospect 46, and PFF has him as 28. So I have a B-plus grade on him which means I would take him in the mid to late range, like in the twenties of the first round. Um, I also, a B plus grade also indicates that he is a good starter. Um, I think his floor, like the worst that this dude could be is a useful third safety, but I think that he has all the potential in the world to be like Sean Taylor. Really that good. Well, he's got incredible speed and it shows up on tape. I think he ran a four, three, like a late four, three, maybe a four, four flat. He ran, no, it was a 4-3-4, I think. He ran insanely fast. You can look that up for me. But it shows up, and his instincts are incredible. He's, so despite, go ahead. 4-3-7. Okay, I'll take it. That's pretty goddamn good, because get this, he's primarily a strong safety. He is a thumper. He hits like Bob Sanders. He hits like Sean Taylor. Like, he crushes, it's a car crash when he hits people. They go backwards. They do not keep coming forwards. Um, he needs to wrap up a little bit better. 
like he he's not quite as good a tackler as Kyle Hamilton because like when Kyle Hamilton grabs you, you're going down like quicksand. It might not be hard, but you will touch the ground. When Lewis Seen hits you, you're going to hurt a lot for a few days, but there's a chance that he just jousts you and you bounce off. He's still a really good tackler, but like he could use work on his technique. Um, He blitzed really, really well at Georgia. If you watch the national championship against Alabama, he was living in that backfield, batting balls down. Um, He was all over in the playoffs. Oh yeah. And, and part of the problem, people didn't really, it took a while for people to like wake up to the fact that he's really good because he played safety on a defense where nobody could like create enough of a pocket for their quarterback to throw deep. So he never got tested and everybody was like, Hey, I don't think he's good in coverage. I only see him make plays against the run. It's like, cause nobody ever could withstand four or five first round picks rushing the passer every play. Um, But when he did get tested in coverage, his speed absolutely showed up. I gave him an A for his coverage grade. I gave him a B minus for his ball skills. He does not attack the ball particularly well. He does drop balls. He will drop balls. Um, And he doesn't high point particularly well. He makes up for it by just crushing dudes once they high point the ball really well. So they'll, he'll create drops in order for him to hit that A plus Sean Taylor level. He's going to need to work on his ball skills, which I think is something you can learn, but he's lightning fast. He's lightning quick. He hits like a Mack truck. He's extremely instinctual against the run. And when blitzing his feet are incredible, like his actual just agility is incredible. And the mistakes that he does make in coverage can all be fixed. I love this player. Like you're going to have to, for, I would play him at strong safety. I like, he can play free safety, but I'd prefer not to. He would be my ideal strong safety though. Like if he doesn't become Sean Taylor, I think he bottoms out as like Eric Weddle. Maybe not peak Eric Weddle, but Eric Weddle. It's pretty solid, especially because he's not getting like crazy hype. So you're not going to have to spend a, a premium pick on him. I think you could get him early in the second round. And I think that he will be the best safety in this class. And I think that there are probably three real good safeties in this class, none of which are named Hamilton. Yeah, you know, I, I haven't watched as much tape, but I've seen, I think, him in three or four games from this past season. And I noticed him in every single one. Yeah. Like, he pops off the tape. You're right. And then he can fly around. But, yeah, he destroys people. He, he's the kind of guy where, like, when I was 13, I'd go watch his YouTube highlights and I'd say he's a top five pick. Because his YouTube highlights have got to be just fucking amazing. I might watch that before bed tonight just for fun. And you're going to be all hyped up and I can be able to fall asleep for a couple hours. He's also like the epitome of a highlight video, dude. Because like if you've seen this man's hair, it's hilarious. If you have heard him talk about Dragon Ball Z, it is hilarious. Like it is very appropriate that a dude who has like emo hair is named Scene. <laughs> I, I, I nice love things this work out like that. Like, like before the national championship happened, I was watching him do an interview and I texted you and I was like, look at this fucking kid's hair. This is unreal. This man plays football and he looks like this in my day that this dude had leather armbands and like a, my chemical romance t-shirt and like gaunt cheeks. Like, and then he plays it's out old. of his mind. <laughs> yeah. And he's really good. He's really good. All right. Anything else you want to say about Lewisine? No, other than I hope he goes to my favorite team. I don't know who that is, but I hope that somebody just go get Lewis Seen and Baker Mayfield. That'll be a real fun team for me. All right, number three, who you got? All right, this one scares the shit out of me. 
because I kind of have him as my wide receiver two and a half. Um, and I don't know that I should, but I can't figure out why I shouldn't. Alec Pierce, wide receiver out of Cincinnati, a Chicago boy. Bringing so, in any bias? No, because he's from Glen Ellen, which is a gross suburb with a shitty hockey rink. So I don't actually have an affinity for him, but he's really good. All right. And you're shockingly breaking the mold because NFL.com does not have him ranked in their top 50 prospects. And PFF agrees having him as the 75th ranked prospect. And you said receiver two and a half for you? Yeah, I have a uh, first half of the first round grade on him. All right. So quite different. Walk uh, us through. Yeah. My, so my grade on him is a B plus, which again, that is a good starter. Um, he's a little bit boomer bust because his ceiling is an A plus. He could be perfect. He won't be because that doesn't happen, but he's got the athletic tools to be perfect. And then his floor is a B minus because, oh boy, is he toolsy. So he's about six foot four. He ran a four, three forty. Every time somebody runs a four, three forty, I want to say it's a four, three, four. I really truly believe it was a four, three, four. I'm probably wrong, but I know it was a four, three. Um, my comp for him is a quick, so like DK Metcalf, but with agility, just say it. Or three, three. No. <laughs> I, was close. I laughed when I looked it up. Everybody that runs a four three is either a four three four or a four three eight. That's it. Um yep. anyway, he ran really fast, and that's what made me want to watch his tape. And then I watched his tape and I was like, oh, he's actually that fast. Like I watched a little bit of him. Uh so as I said on the last podcast, I was watching Desmond Ritter and I was like, he keeps on throwing to this guy, this big white dude, and he's always open is that because they're playing against shit competition or is this dude good? So then I went back and watched the wide receivers tape. So like a better grade Desmond Ritter turns out that wide receiver is Alec Pierce. I'm like, he's a good receiver. He'll play in the NFL. And then I saw his combine. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to go actually watch his tape. Cause apparently he is a top three round dude. Um, yeah. He's insane. He's so, he's so fast and he's so big and he's quick and he understands how to sit down in zones. Um, so here are my notes. Because I, right, he's huge. Wow, really fast. Uses his strength well. Pretty quick for his size. Hands are solid, not great. I wouldn't say he's a ball winner, even though he's huge. A lot like DK Metcalf. But this guy can actually run routes. And he cooked, like, consistently. He cooked Alabama's corners. And not just running deep. He was deep. He was open deep basically every play of every game I watched. Which is, like, Georgia, Notre Dame, Navy, and Alabama. Those are all tough teams to get open against. Because, um, like, yeah, no, Navy's not good, but everybody on that team is 30 years old and disciplined. So they're not busting coverages. Um, like, he, he gets open. He always gets open going deep. And he had two plays in a row, actually, on the second drive of the semifinal game against Alabama, where he just he cooked Kool-Aid McKistry. He ran, like, a, uh, a stutter slant, so, like, chops his feet, and then he runs like, oh, I'm going to turn it into an out. Fuck you. No, I'm not. Slant. And, and, and he had Kool-Aid McKistry beat by four or five yards in the red zone. And Ritter had the first, the first throw. Ritter got batted at the line. It was very bad. And then the second one, Ritter put it like real, real high. And Pierce jumped up, high pointed the ball, all six foot four of him. He's got like a 40-inch vertical. He jumps like crazy, barely gets his hands on it. And if he would have caught it, it would have been Alshon-esque. He didn't but that's not quite who he is yet. I think he could become a ball winner. He isn't yet. But yeah, strong DK Metcalf vibes. Ceiling, the sky, the, the limit is the ceiling. Michael Jordan. 
Okay, so then what's what's holding him back? Why do the national media, why does the national media have him so much lower? For starters, he's a white wide receiver that played at Cincinnati. That's rough. And Cincinnati ran a conservative offense. They didn't open it up for him a lot. Um, frankly, everybody I have seen that has watched him play really likes him. Like the people who I respect on draft Twitter watch him play and they're like, we need to talk about Alec Pierce because this is... There's something about him. Um, I've heard a lot of people thinking about maybe back into the first round for him. Another guy that's got similar hype for very similar reasons is Christian Watson out of North Dakota, who is, again, just super fast, six foot four, always open on streaks. But he played at North Dakota, whereas this guy played against Power 5 competition, including Alabama and Georgia. So it was an easier projection. And Christian Watson felt a little bit more like Martavis Bryant, like Christian Watson, streak, awesome athlete. Seems like a actually I gave he's the only kid I've given a green flag, but because he just seems like the greatest fucking kid. And apparently he eats, breathes, sleeps and just shoots football into his veins. Um, But tougher to grade him is like, is is toasting South Dakota the same as toasting Kool-Aid McKistry at Alabama four star recruit? I don't know. Um, His route tree is not as diverse. The knock I've heard from national media people on Alec Pierce that I don't really agree with is that he's not quick. First of all, you're telling me that there's an insanely fast, very large wide receiver who is especially explosive and jumps very high, and he's not great at turning. This is DK Metcalf. There is a path to success, and this guy was a better catcher of the football in college than DK Metcalf, who has terrible drops. So I'm okay with that. But I also don't see it because people who are you know, people who have poor agility don't cook SEC cornerbacks on quick routes. Consistently, too. I wouldn't say consistently because it didn't happen a ton, but it happened every time he was asked to. So, yeah, I think he's probably going to be a second round pick. I would take him in the teens of the first round. Like I and I feel scared. Like That is a scary projection to make, but I really, really like him. I feel like we're going to need to break out the wide receivers into a specific one because we've been throwing them all over, overrated, underrated. I know we're not done, but yeah. that might be a thing for next week or later. With that said, do you want to uh, talk about Alec Pierce anymore? Are you ready for number four? Let's do the next one. Uh, it's Daniel Daniel Fialele, behemoth offensive tackle from Minnesota. He is huge. He is humongous. All right. So NFL.com, again, does not have him ranked in their top 50 prospects. And then PFF has him as 84. So uh, full disclosure, he was in the top 50 for NFL.com in the prior version. He fell out. So he, you would assume he's in the top 55, roughly, um, just to be fair to them. I love this kid because I think he is just, he's only been playing football for about five years. He's from Australia. He is six foot eight and about 400 pounds. He'll probably play at about 350. So he's super raw and he's super young. But I love, so young players, like the, you know, the argument is always like, oh, you get them young, you polish them up, they have way more upside. Sure, whatever. But they have even more upside when they just learned how to play football as a junior in high school. So, and he started as a true freshman in Minnesota. He's six foot eight and he plays like it. He is very strong. There is one knock that I, if you want to say that he is too slow, he is slow, but Makai Becton is slow. Makai Becton is fast for his size, but again, defensive ends aren't going to wait for him at the edge and just be like, you, you know, you are such a big guy. I'm really impressed. Please, here, get your hand on me. All right, ready? Go. 
No, they're going to bend that edge on him. So Filele, yeah, his quickness might be a problem, but he is just a blank canvas when it comes to technique, when it comes to, I mean, literally everything. So I have him as somewhere between Trent Brown and Makai Becton, just a monster of a human who will play right tackle and maul the shit out of you. In the run game, he's an automatic screen block because even if he doesn't get any push, you're not pushing him. And I think there are better offensive tackles. I certainly think there are better offensive tackles in this draft, but I would take him at the end of the first round if I had a need. And I think he's probably going to go in the mid to late second round. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, he does have some shades of Mekhi Becton. He's not as crazy of an athlete because Becton was an absurd athlete for that size. Playing in Minnesota obviously helps. And like you were talking about, he's got a lot of room for growth because he's a baby in the sport. But yeah, that's, I don't, I don't know if I would take him in the first just because he is a bit of a project. Like, I don't, do you think he's a plug-in play at right tackle right now? Yeah, I would start him. I think he would have a a little bit of an issue in pass blocking. Like, I don't think he would be a great, I think first day he's going to be a B minus tackle. He's fine. Yeah, that's, I would just worry that he would get my quarterback killed in the first half of the year. I don't think he's much worse than Mike Remmers. Fair. Like, I, I think that I think that if you put him at right tackle, that's not going to be a hole. Like, you're not going to have to be like, oh, what do we do about our right tackle? Like, yeah, he's, he's going to blow it a couple times. But for the most part, he will be solid. And that's assuming a slow, normal growth curve. For mm-hmm. all we know, he gets into an NFL training camp and they're like, hey, did you know that when you pass block, you're supposed to, like, get your hand on the chest of the other guy? And he could be like, I had no idea. This is crazy. I've just been belly bumping him. So I really like him. I think that he can become a good starter. And I'm a little bit biased because you see a clear path in Jordan Mailata with the Philadelphia Eagles, who that's exactly what I was going to talk about. Similarly gigantic man, not particularly fast, learned how to play football later in life and just took off. And now he's like a very good tackle. He might be an elite tackle. Like he's that level. And this guy is similarly unexperienced, similarly large, comes from a similar background, has a similar nasty disposition. Brandon Thorne really likes him. I defer to Brandon Thorne when, like, if me and PFF disagree, I say whatever Brandon Thorne says is right. Because Brandon Thorne doesn't miss on offensive linemen. And uh, he did a really good write-up on Bleacher Report. Everybody should go check out Brandon Thorne's offensive line rankings on Bleacher Report. It's actually probably the best draft material on mainstream media. Uh, oh, wow. I, he's really good with offensive linemen, man. I like him. He gets very in-depth, too. I appreciate. Yeah. I know. He's he's really good. Um, And I think Filele will be a legit starting tackle. And if you can get a legit starting tackle in the second round, you you just jump on it. This is true. All right. This one's uh, probably a little more exciting. Yeah. Who do you got for number five? We're going to go back to the well with the wide receivers. I got Jamison Williams, wide receiver, Alabama, formerly of Ohio State. All right, so you must have a pretty high grade on him because NFL.com has him at 17, PFF has him at 16. So not much room. So I'm a little torn. Last year, I said that Jalen Waddell was my best receiver I've ever scouted since 2015. And a couple of years ago, I said, Jerry Judy is my best receiver that I've ever scouted since like 2015. And I think Jamison Williams might be my best receiver that I've ever scouted since 2015. You just love the love the speedsters out of Bama. Uh, if yes, if you find me a six foot or taller speedster who's awesome after the catch and runs really good routes, I'm in. 
Um, but it, like for real, if if Jameson Williams isn't the best receiver I've graded, he's second to Jalen Waddle. And the the ACL tear did happen, and he dropped on people's draft boards because of it. Fine, personally, I don't think an ACL tear means jack shit in the year twenty twenty two. And he's six months after the surgery, he's on schedule to be like playing football again. He's already walking and jumping on it. Have you seen the videos? Is it, is it even six months? Didn't he tear it in January? No, no, no. It's been three months and he's walking oh, okay. and jumping. Yeah. They're saying that at this pace, in at six months in June, he will be a full go. I would. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause I've seen him like working out. Like I wouldn't let him play football until August just because there's literally no reason to risk it. But you're going to get a full season of Jamison Williams as a rookie. Don't worry about the now, like ACL tears are routine now. This is a routine injury. So don't worry about the routine injury. Draft this man and let him go be the second best prospect. I've seen at wide receiver since 2015. It's, it's stupid. I've heard Deshaun Jackson comparisons. I don't hate him. I think it's underselling Jamison Williams a little bit. I think he's more like Terry McLaurin. I, okay. So he's got game breaking elite speed, right? Like, High four twos speed. Yeah, like I think the worst case is he's Deshaun Jackson of he's just really fucking fast. Exactly. But what people don't realize is he's also six two. That's good height. He's taller than Traylon Burks, who's apparently a possession receiver. Talks about how tall he is, how big his fucking hands are. This guy's taller than him. And like, yeah, he's skinny, but they make this thing called food and you could give it to him and that could fix it. Um, or he could just continue running past people and you could stop caring. Um the special thing about Jamison Williams is that you get a lot of dudes like a DK Metcalf who are very fast. Well, Jamison Williams is faster, but then Jamison Williams also has elite agility, like, like special slot receiver, like Darren Sproles agility doesn't have shit on this man. It's actually, it's got some, it's got some shit on this man because it has some shit on it. Maybe a little hyperbolic, but like, it's the same tier. It's that quick. I gave him an A on his quicks and an A plus on his speed. Um, He's incredibly fast. And quick. Yes. But the thing, the thing that people don't give him enough credit for, like, yeah, his yards after the catch is incredible. He is a legitimate return threat uh, in special teams. He separates really well because when you're that fast and quick, it's hard to stay covered. (laughs) You got to go out of your way, John Ross. Um, But his hands and his body control are legitimate pluses. He has better hands than Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. And he's got probably I, I give him the fourth best body control in this draft so Garrett Wilson's the best body control it's sick Drake London has sick body control he's also a possession receiver that wins jump balls uh Pickens George Pickens out of Georgia another possession receiver he's got insane body control I'll give it to him after that Jameson Williams this man has legitimately good body body control skills he is catching back shoulders that are not intended to be back shoulders he is diving and catching balls on the like scooping them off the ground he is making inaccurate throws accurate. This dude is like, like, no, he's not physical. He, he, if he were strong and physical at the line, he would be the full package. But I'm still going to play him at X because there's no route you can't throw him. And nobody would dare jam him because if you do, he is gone. Yeah, I mean, I love him. He's my wide receiver one. I, you know, the he is skinny and with tearing the ACL, that's like the only concern I have about him. But even with that concern, he's number one for me. So kind of preaching to the choir. I I was a little worried about the game he played against Cincinnati 
because he didn't have a great showing. And I mean, Sauce Gardner is incredible. He should go in the top 10, will go in the top 10. So I'm not like wildly disappointed, but I just looked it up. He had seven catches for 62 yards in a long of 20. So overall, he had six catches for 42 yards, then one explosive play, which is just not good. I Is it not good? Because that's still like a solid fantasy outing in a game where they were winning by a billion and he was playing the best cornerback in college football. I Yeah, I mean, it's decent. I just think that when you're playing the top guy, that's going to be sort of like what you're going to play every single week in the NFL. I would have liked to have seen like a little bit more. You should have told Cincinnati to score more points then because Alabama took the air out of that ball in the third quarter, like early third quarter. This is true. Like I, I was impressed with Sauce Gardner in that game, and that was the game where I was like, okay, Sauce Gardner is cornerback one. He is yeah. real good, top ten type dude. Fine. Um, but like Jamison Williams still got his. Like, yeah, it wasn't a bad game. It no. just wasn't a, a great game. No, he didn't show out. But yeah. I don't think that. Like, I'm not disappointed. Um, I have, I have Jamison Williams as a top ten pick, and I've yeah, already explained. I've taken the top ten. I've already explained, like, I don't value wide receivers that much anymore because there are so many. Like, I have 11 dudes in this draft that I've graded already who I think could slash should be starting wide receivers day one in some capacity. And we had, like, 14 the year before and, like, 14 the year before that. So just every year, you're going two, three rounds deep with starting wide receiver talent, and it's only increasing every year. So if I'm taking a guy top 10, he's got to be like Tyree Kill level game breaker. Like just you don't have a solution for this guy. And I think that Jamison Williams offers that because like you want to play off coverage on him because you're afraid he gets deep on you. Good, because I'm throwing him a smoke screen. He's going to take that shit yard on you because he's a kick returner. You're going to creep up. You're going to creep up. I dare you. Please, please. Like he's special. He's special. Yeah. Yeah. He's a guy that I think you can use in all three levels. And with that speed, with his size, he's the, the top tier prospect. But I think we've uh, gushed over him enough. You want to go to the last of the underrated? Yeah. So sticking with the theme of wide receivers, I've done a lot of wide receiver work on this draft. I really like Sky Moore out of Western Michigan. Wide receiver. I, I, I'm not alone. A lot of people like him, but. He belongs on every underrated list until he gets drafted in the first round. All right. So NFL.com does not have him ranked in the top 50. Not even close. PFF does have him at 33, though. I think 33 is pretty close, but PFF like is afraid of how high on him they are. Um, I will admit that when I did my first run through on Sky Moore, I couldn't quite tell if he was breaking away from dudes because he was playing second tier football or if it's because he was truly fast. And then I saw that he ran in the in the true speed range. So he ran under a 4-4-4. Anything under a 4-4-4 gets lumped in as, oh, he's actually fast in my head. Um, my comp for him is strange. My comparison for this wide receiver is Austin Eckler. Really? He is kind of short. He's like 5'10", but he's mm-hmm. got really good hands. And he's kind of built squatty like a running back, one of those Golden Tate type prototypes. Uh, DJ yeah. Moore. Debo Samuel just built kind of like a running back and he's really good after the catch and his spin move is incredible. He's got a low center of gravity. He's like, he breaks some tackles with, with strength and power rather than just like being slippery, but he is actually a very polished wide receiver. So this is one of those guys who truly knows how to separate. 
Like he's not that fast on the game tape necessarily. He's fast. He's don't get me wrong. He's truly fast, but he's not like Jamison Williams fast and his feet are good, but like they don't jump off the page when you watch, but he's always open and he doesn't drop balls. He dropped 3% of his balls last year, which is like the lowest in college football amongst draft eligibles. Like he will not drop the ball. He's good after the catch because he runs like a running back. I don't, I mean, I think that he's limited in that I don't think he'll ever be like a true number one wide receiver just because he is small and he's a little bit more of a yards after the catch guy. I think he'll be a very solid piece of an offense, probably not a special piece, but he's a guy you can feature. Like you could stick him in your slot and throw him a hundred balls or give him a hundred catches. So throw him 150 balls and that'll work. Like he could be that guy. He could do Cooper cup type shit, probably better than Cooper cup could. Um, really? Granted. Well, I'm very low on Cooper Cup. Most of Cooper Cup's success is just not fucking up and being in a system that gets you open without you having to do anything. If you put Sky Moore on the Rams and you constantly put him in motion, you run rubs, you run veers, you find creative ways to get him the ball. Yeah, I think he could do everything Cooper Cup does and probably more because he's a more explosive athlete. But this isn't like we're not here to roast Cooper Cup or like spit hot takes. We just need to acknowledge that Sky Moore is a really good player and he's going to be a good NFL wide receiver for a long time. And he deserves significantly more credit. I could see an argument for saying, I don't want him in the first round because he's not going to be special. Fine. But you better have made that argument for DJ Moore and AJ Brown too, because they are similar players where you didn't think they'd be special. DJ Moore isn't. He's just very useful. AJ Brown had to basically gain curious amounts of pure muscle that may indicate some kind of chemical change in his body in order to become the dude that he is now. But they're both very useful. You just, you find dudes who get open really well and run routes really well and never drop the ball. They're going to help you. Yeah. And that sounds like he's just a value play where we we've talked about the Chris Olaves and Garrett Wilson's that are talked about in the, you know, middle of the first round where Sky Moore is, like you said, probably an early second type player where you might get the same or better outcomes out of him and save yourself almost a full round of draft value. Exactly. Like, I, th- I think he'll be very similar. I think he'll be slightly better with upside to be significantly better. But yeah, when you just factor in how much value, it's hard to look away from that. I feel it. All right. Anything else you want to say about Sky Moore? No, I think it's time to get confused. Awesome. Well, that's the fun part. These are the guys that you don't seem to have a super clear idea on. And we have titled the, what the fuck do we do with you? Yeah. Let's, uh, let's kick it off with Trayvon Walker. All right. Trayvon Walker out of Georgia. NFL.com has them at six. PFF has them at 14. So these are both extremely high rankings for a guy who didn't really uh, produce very much in college. And a lot of people are probably thinking like, yeah, how did this dude who had like a handful of sacks in his final year at Georgia with all that talent on the line, how is he a first round pick, much less a top 15 pick? Well, this is a little bit preaching, but all the defensive linemen at Georgia were significantly hampered in their production because of how Georgia plays. This isn't even just a case of like, oh, when you've got Devontae Wyatt, Jordan Davis, and Trayvon Walker, and uh, number 88, their defensive tackle, who comes out next year and is probably going to be better than all of them. Like, it's not just a case of like, everybody's got to eat and there's only so much to eat. It is a little bit that. But also, this is the most disciplined defensive line I've ever seen in my life at any level of football. And 
they very specifically were told, like you can tell immediately when watching a play, they were told like, yeah, you could beat your man. You could beat the offensive lineman that's blocking you. That's fine. Don't run past them. Your job is to contain that rush lane. Do not let the quarterback step through. And we will have a linebacker or a safety blitzing almost every play and they will clean up the sack. So that's why you get Quay Walker and Nicobe Dean and Lewis Seen getting sacks left, right, and center for the Georgia defense because that was their role. Now, Trayvon Walker, when you watch the tape, is beating his man fairly consistently. My first note is, wow, production significantly hampered by stacked and disciplined Georgia line. Very effective whenever turned loose, insane bull rush, great gap integrity. Could use work on his moves. So yes, Trayvon Walker is a work in progress when it comes to learning how to truly rush the passer, but he's a freak athlete and we know that he knows how to play disciplined football. Yeah, I agree with you in that he's worrisome because he didn't really produce. Yeah. But he obviously tested like crazy. And when you watch the tape, you do understand a little bit why he didn't produce. But you get into a little bit of the opportunity cost because how high would you have to draft him? And then you really need him where, you know, people are talking about him going, you know, top three right See, now. That's my thing is like, what the fuck do I do with him? I just got done telling you how high I am on him. But I have like a mid to early teens grade. Like I want him. I want him around twelve or thirteen. Six, three. The, uh, I, the the big question in the draft is what the fuck do the Lions do at two? Right. Like some people wanted to give him Kyle Hamilton because those people ate lead paint as children, and you know there's some question of like maybe you just give him the second best edge because Aiden Hutchinson's for all intents and purposes gone already, and a lot of people want to give him Trayvon Walker. And I am interested in the Lions. I think there's some value on them because they're a notoriously terrible franchise, but they've built a good roster that I think is very solid. I would like to see them succeed in the draft because I think they could be very profitable for me next year. Well, I kind of don't want them to take Trayvon Walker at two. I would much rather he go to any other team somewhere he, later. He gives me shades of like Mekhi Becton, where when I was watching Mekhi Becton leading up to his draft year or his draft class, you were like, this guy has all of the tools. He has some incredible tape. There's a lot of upside. You, you, He does certain things incredibly well, but he is incomplete. And I don't know where he might have a huge hole in his game. Like Trayvon Walker might not just might not have any finish to his game. And Which, Mekhi Becton, I was like, he might not be able to deal with any pass rush. So I think he probably will be really good, but I wouldn't want the team that I root for to make the investment on him because he scares the shit out of me. So like, I'm not joking. I can't count on one hand how many times I saw Trayvon Walker beat his man off the snap and then break down and stand still like, like a Madden player. And you just took your thumb off the joystick. Like for real, like it happened more than five times. Because he just doesn't care about sacking the quarterback. He knows the quarterback's getting fucked up by somebody soon. And it's probably N'Kobe Dean coming through the middle. But like, and you see it with Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis too. Jordan Davis is really quick off the snap. Like, I was surprised that he ran the insane 40 time that he did. But I wasn't totally shocked because I saw him on tape. And I'm like, yeah, that dude gets off like a three technique. And he is a 400 pound nose tackle. He's really quick. And you see it. You see on tape. Against, against Alabama in the SEC championship game, there was one play where Walker and Davis both won immediately right off the snap. Like their first step already passed their lineman and they broke down and stood there 
like a linebacker, like waiting in an Oklahoma drill, just waiting. And then Nicobe Dean loops around the edge and cleans up with the sack. And Nicobe Dean gets the sack and Nicobe Dean is the hero. But the reason he's able to do that is because two defensive linemen already blew this play to smithereens. However, for all we know, being fans of Jadavian Clowney, as just as a player, we know that some dudes struggle to take the quarterback to the ground. It's just like they don't wrap up properly. They can't bend that edge that well, whatever. I think Trayvon Walker could bend the edge really well, but I just don't see it enough because that's not his job. It's tough. Yeah, and that's why he scares me. And I, I will be very interested to watch him play. And I think it's more likely than not that he ends up being really good. But if you have to use a top eight pick on him, Exactly. And that's too rich for me. Yeah. All right. Well, we can move on to the next one. Who you got next on our, what the fuck do we do with you? We're staying with defensive ends who are going to go in the top 10 because I have no idea what to do with Kayvon Thibodeau, man, for like so many reasons. All right. Kayvon Thibodeau, edge out of Oregon. NFL.com has him at 10. PFF has him at four. I just realized that I've been saying it's Lance Zerline on NFL.com all day, but it's totally Daniel Jeremiah. But they're totally inter- interchangeable to me. I don't care. Um, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, a lot of the draft guys outside of people that are like really great or really horrible just fall into alphabet soup of names for me. Bring back Mayock. But um, yeah, Kayvon Thibodeau is a funky story. He was the first overall recruit coming from Southern California. He's from Thousand Oaks. So he's a, he's a rich suburban LA guy. Um, or at least that's the high school he went to. For all I know, he commit address fraud. I would know nothing about doing that to go to the high school that you choose to go to instead of the one that you're supposed to go to. Um, He chose Oregon over Alabama in his words, because he doesn't really care about winning a national championship, especially when he can go up to Oregon and align himself with a big corporate brand like Nike. That's much more important to him. Not something you want to hear a guy say out loud, even if it's true, not an indicator of loving football which is kind of perplexing, right? Yeah, definitely paints a picture of someone that's in it to uh, set themselves up for life, which, you know, those guys still have very successful careers. But when you're talking about top of the draft, eh. Well, I'm I'm scarred also by Ja'Kai Polite, who had some of the best tape I've seen from a defensive end since 2015. Like, he was a clear defensive end one that year, clear first-round pick. And then it turns out you hear he actually doesn't care at all about football. He literally just wants to buy his mom a house and then he's done. And he literally didn't make the team out of training camp. He didn't make the Jets out of training camp because like the dude is just messed up in the head. Doesn't care. Yeah. And I don't think we're anywhere near that same level with Thibodeau. But but when we're talking about a top five pick. You better be damn sure that he's that he loves it. Exactly. Or it's going to be super into it. He had other comments recently for um, every, apparently every team scout came back from the combine interviews with him saying, oh, that was terrible. He does not care about football. Like universally pan. Uh, Peter Schrager said, like, if it was just one or two guys, I would kind of just ignore it and say like, ah, he's not everybody's cup of tea. But every scout was saying this is just terrible. Um, And then when asked at his pro day, Like, what do you think you could learn with NFL coaching? Like, what do you think you could add to your game? He said nothing. There's nothing they can tell me about rushing the passer that I don't already know. So it's like, oh, so you don't seem to like football and you're kind of a cocky dick and you have your own like Ponzi scheme. I mean, cryptocurrency and like 
you basically took the entire, you took your entire sophomore year off in 2020 for COVID. Sure. And then you shut it down for like half of your 2021 season. This is all concerning. Did you just, did he just realize after his freshman year, like, Oh, I'm going to be a top 10 pick. Fuck all this. All I really care about is playing in the NFL. It's possible, but how quickly can he just turn it back on? And does he actually want to play in the NFL? Cause he wants to be great in the NFL or is he just trying to make the money? Kind of sounds like he just wants the money. And then uh, we still have to get into his game. Cause there was about to say, game. and this is before we even talk about him on the field. So my comp for him, a, a lot of people say miles Garrett. I think that's bullshit. He's athletic. He's not on that level. He's not nearly that bendy and he is not that fast. He's just not, he's not even that long. He is Jadevian Clowney, but weaker. And I love Jadevian Clowney. I think Jadevian Clowney has basically all of his career been an elite or damn near elite defensive end. I love him. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the NFL, but you're taking away some of his strength and that's Clowney's biggest calling card. And Clowney has some issues of his own. Like Clowney doesn't finish particularly well. Clowney doesn't have very many hash roast moves. Clowney's basically like, yeah, I'm bigger, faster, stronger than you. I'm going to probably run over you. And if I don't, I'm probably not going to win this play. And he does it often enough that it doesn't matter. But like Clowney's not a refined rusher of the past. Neither really is Thibodeau. He doesn't have great moves. His feet are good. They're not special. His power is good, but it's not Clowney good. His first step is really good. He's got that in common with Clowney. He's got that in common with every elite edge rusher you've seen. His first step is awesome. Like he has elite burst, but really just good strength and feet. And he's not polished very well at all. And then there's the effort level problem. He alternates completely randomly with absolutely no line of best fit between absolute, just like totally taking a play off, like just walking a play and going 110% like a, like a dog after fresh meat. Like there is no way to tell if he is going to bust his ass directly off of his body on this play, or if he's just going to phone it in. And that's like, is that something that goes away when he goes to the NFL? I I think, I don't know. I don't want to gamble on this shit in the top 10 picks though. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's always been my issue with him. He seems like, you know, a prototype defensive end that you would take in the top six picks, most any draft until you get to, the character side and as a former Browns fan that saw a lot of guys flame out because they just didn't have it mentally or didn't care about the sport or were more interested in outside stuff I always get really scared of guys that in the draft process when like they're getting coached up like crazy they have an agent next to them at all times trying to say like here's the best thing to say whatever and they're still coming out and saying things that you know, are not great or you don't want to hear. And luckily, you know, it's not like he's not failing drug tests. Not they really do them that much anymore that in depth of them. I could look past, I could look past criminality and bad character. I don't really care that much as long as you're not hurting people. Yeah. I just mean, he wants to play football. The, the drug test of the combine, like people call the idiot test, you know, that's That's more of what I'm talking about of like, when you know you're going to have to answer these questions or talk about, and you can't even put on a good face for the the month of interviews and visits, you think of, you know, Darren Waller, his, he's talked about his interview process when he knew he was going to get suspended or, you know, was still doing a bunch of drugs and drinking all the time. 
during his draft process, got questions about it and answered them perfectly well. He got drafted high and immediately got suspended because he still had crazy issues. But he was able to lie through the month and a half or whatever that he had to lie for it. And Thibodeau doesn't even seem interested in doing that. So, yeah, I am I'm also terrified of him. I probably wouldn't take him if I had a pick in that uh, range, just because there are a lot of really good edge prospects in this draft that I feel better about. I mean, I'd take Trayvon Walker before I took Thibodeau, even though he scares me. I see. That's the thing. I don't want either of them in the top 10, but you have to pick one because if you get past those two, I like Nick Benito. I'm not done grading him. I don't think he's a first round pick. I don't think he's a top half of first round. He could be a back end of the first round guy, but that's it. Like Aiden Hutchinson's awesome. He's a better Bosa, but he's gone. Like we already went over how much we hate Jermaine Johnson. Karloff, this is really a defensive tackle. And then Walker and Thibodeau are like scary. And Ojabo tore his Achilles. So like. Uh, I forgot about Ojabo because I love Ojabo. I think he's going to be really good. I do too. Um, Like he's a guy that I would, even though this is probably very hot take that I think I would feel more comfortable with him, not probably not in more the Achilles. Granted, that injury is becoming less serious too. But that one's still real. Yeah. I mean, it's still a, I mean, hell, Cam Akers had what, like an eight month recovery time or something, but it's still a, uh, a dangerous one. Plus, I don't, I don't think a job is going to be right until after the season. Like you miss a year, you burn it. Yeah. But man, the, just the comments now from Thibodeau, seeing him on the field take plays off, seeing that the, the money side is more important than the winning side, which like, Hey, I mean, I get it. Like, you, I get you it too. For years. But if I'm using that high of a pick, I don't want, I don't want. It. That's my thing is like, you know what? I don't blame Thibodeau at all for wanting the money. Not but you can't, but you can't blame me at all for wanting to leverage a psychopath. Like, yep. like I was going to make a, I was going to make an analogy to a relationship thing, but I think that that's just unique to me. Anyhow, I do have one more. All right. So you want to go finish this off? Who's number three in your, what the fuck do we do with you? Has anybody seen Drake London since like November? Is he, is he alive? We have confirmation. Yeah. He did those interviews at the combine and disappeared. And now he's pushed back his pro day again. Yeah. He, so USC had their pro day and then Drake London was supposed to have a second pro day just for him, uh, like a couple weeks later, to give him more time to heal from an ankle injury that he suffered on Halloween. Well, they pushed it back like another two weeks. And I'm starting to wonder if he just like wants to procrastinate for so long that nobody ever has to see him run a 40-yard dash. He's like, just going to keep pushing it off. Oh, another week until the draft happens. Be like, what? I didn't get a chance to run. Yeah, like it's... I. One of two things is happening here, and both of them are bad. Either one, he's having a really hard time recovering from an ankle injury, and broken ankles can, they can be messy. Like, anything below the calf is a crapshoot, because there are just too many tiny little bones down there, and shit goes wrong. Like, look at how the broken foot sabotaged Julio Jones's career. The dude went from being one of the quickest wide receivers we've ever seen coming out of the draft to a dude who can basically only run a streak and completely decayed as an athlete at the age of like 32. Like his career is done. He's over. And this is one of the best athletes we've ever seen play football. He just didn't last because he broke a bone in his foot and it never healed. Um, So an ankle, if it's really that injured and he's having that hard of a time healing, that's very scary. On the other hand, it could just be that he's afraid to run a 40-yard dash because it's going to look bad. Well, that's also bad. Um, 
Drake London was. So the reason that Alec Pierce is wide receiver two and a half is because I don't know what the fuck to do with Drake London anymore, who was originally my wide receiver two, but I don't know if he still is. So London was supposed to be six, five. It turns out he's only like six, three and a half. That's still plenty tall. Um, he's very young to the game. He just turned 21. Another thing about Drake London is that he was a basketball star in high school and actually played his freshman year at USC. Now he was not like an NBA hopeful or anything. He hardly got on the court, but he was on the basketball team as a freshman. Uh, I think he was a four-star recruit for basketball and they were thinking about like bringing him along slowly. Anyhow, that means that his freshman year, not only was he a freshman for football, but he split time training with the football team and the basketball team including missing some practices. Then he was going to, then he finally quit basketball his sophomore year because he realized that he's a special football player, but COVID hit and he missed out on first, like COVID was different in California. It was different in the Pac-12. He missed out on basically half of his sophomore year. And finally he got to focus on football his junior year. No more, well, ostensibly no more COVID. And then he breaks his ankle a few weeks into the season. So he's really only spent like seven or eight months truly being a football player and like focusing on football. He's also only 21. So the guy's got a ton of upside, but he also like he already knows how to run routes really well. He's really good at setting up receiver uh, defensive backs and like playing like leverage games and like using his body to box people out. Like he's really good at being open even when he's covered. You know what I'm saying? Like that Mike Evans shit where it's like cornerback's right on. How come they can't stop him? Well, because he's big and tall and knows how to use that. Um, My comp for him is Cortland Sutton because Cortland Sutton is big and long and he high points that ball. He's a lot like Mike Evans. He's just not quite as physically imposing. He's not as strong. He's not as fast, but he's still a deep threat. I think Drake London can be that. Um, His ball winning and his body control are amazing even better than Garrett Wilson's and also like a half a foot taller. (laughs) Um, He's vertical. He's actually significantly good after the catch for a big dude. The only question you could possibly have, he's he's very agile too. He separates fairly well. And he played almost exclusively as an X receiver in college. He did not come out of the slot ever. And he was not used out of the backfield very often. So like he was getting open, doing the difficult things, being a legit receiver. And they were targeting him like crazy this year. He had uh, the game against Notre Dame. He had 16 targets and he injured Kyle Hamilton. Um, I think I think he had 16 catches rather. It was insane. But the question is his speed. And the speed is why like Greg Cosell, who I am hating on lately, thinks that Drake London is nothing more than a slot receiver in the NFL, despite the fact that he never played the slot in college in the Pac-12, which is still a top division. Um, I don't see that, but okay. If you want to make him a slot, he's going to be a really good one. Um, I'm worried though about his speed because if he comes in and runs like a four, seven, you got to take that Cortland Sutton away and you got to pray to God he could be Keenan Allen. And that's scary. But if he runs like a four five Oh, maybe that Cortland Sutton is a Mike Evans. And it's important to see this because we didn't get to see a ton of his tape and he's young and it's difficult to gauge how fast cornerbacks in the Pac-12 are as compared to the SEC. And we got to see how he heals from this ankle injury. So if he, if his ankle actually turns out to be fine and he runs his 40 and it's like in the four fives and it's good, he's a top half of the first round pick for me. But if any of that goes wrong, this dude could drop all the way late second if everything goes wrong. He's he's a guy that I still probably have at, at wide receiver two for me just because of what I've seen on tape. The 
pushing back the pro day does worry me a little bit because yeah, either it's his ankle or he's worried about how he's going to perform either way. It doesn't seem great to me, but he's so good. Like watching him play, he it's similar to where Jamison William pops off the tape. Like you're watching the game and you go, Oh wow. Like this is the best guy on the field. And that's Drake London pretty much every time they play. Like I think worst case, he ends up as a really good jump ball guy. Yeah. Even if he goes and he runs at four, seven, you have a dude that is really good at the catch point has great size. Like I think, you know, even if he runs a four seven, he's a T Higgins type dude that is super valuable to an offense. You know, yeah. you don't want to take him at eighth overall, but that's, you know, all the, all the bad things coming true where I think realistically, yeah, he probably runs four five, five, four, six, something like that coming off the ankle as he's getting healthier. And he's so young, he's produced, he's looked good while he's produced. That's my thing. He's already so savvy as a route runner. Like you could see him, you watch him set people up. Like he will, he, he's calculated about it too. Like if he's running an out, he'll do a couple jab steps in on the out the first time he does it. And then the second time he won't do the jab steps. And then the third time it's actually a slant. So the jab steps were real. And like, it's, he's a smart guy. He, he knows what he's doing. He boxes people out. He plays leverage. It's, and the same way that you feel when you watch Jamison Williams run and just create space out of nowhere and break angles everywhere. And you're just like, fuck, how do you stop that? He's got that jump ball ability where he's a foot above the rest of the field and he high points the ball Alshon Jeffrey style. It's up there in his hands. He doesn't need to tuck it down. He just holds it up there. Like it's special and it's scary. It's like, I don't know. How do you, you need Notre Dame tried to do with Kyle Hamilton. They were like, Oh, we've got a super big guy who plays safety. We'll put Kyle Hamilton over the top and he'll take away Drake London. And Drake London not only cooked him, but also out jumped him for the ball. Like if he's healthy, and if he's the athlete that I think he is, if his, I think he has B speed. I think he's got similar speed to Traylon Burks. I think he's faster than Justin Ross. I think he's a little slower than like Olave and Garrett Wilson. I just, if, if he is that fast, if he's adequately fast, he's going to be really good. But I'm scared now because everything is going wrong. Yeah, I the only thing that worries me is the the postponing of these pro days. Because if you just said, hey, my ankle needs a little bit more, I get it. It's an ankle break where towards the end of it, you want to run the best you can. But just like keep putting it off, that concerns me. Because that makes it seem like, you know, they expected him to be ready and now he's not. Yeah. But overall, I still think you, unless like, you know, in your medicals or your interviews, something scares you off. I, I love him. I think he'll be really good. I do too. And I'm not, you know, I'm typically not super high on possession receivers, but he's the legit stuff. Like he's what you want out of a possession receiver. All right. Well, I think this wraps us up. Yeah. That's uh that's 15 players that I think the market either is overvaluing, undervaluing, or just can't possibly know what to do with yet. But, uh, Thanks for talking about the draft with us. Thanks for indulging us after all of our hard work watching football games. Maybe we'll be back next week. Maybe we'll just talk about wide receivers. Until then, hasta.